When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From Variety, celebrating more than 118 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. For Sterling K. Brown, it's not just about taking the leading role. When a project like American Fiction comes along, he's excited to act in it no matter what. This is the kind of thing that we as artists of color have been hungering for for such a long time. And I just wanted to be a part of it. Like similar to how I felt when when Black Panther came along, I was like, this one could sort of like move the culture in a really interesting way. And if I can be a part of it, you know, T'Challa or not, I just want to be in that world, right? I'm Michael Schneider, and on this episode of the award-winning Variety Award Circuit Podcast, we talk to Sterling K. Brown about his latest project, Court Jefferson's satirical film, American Fiction. We also speak with Anjanu Ellis Taylor about her new film, Origin, from writer and director Ava DuVernay. It's all next on this edition of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Based on the novel Erasure by Percival Everett, American Fiction follows author Thelonious Monk Ellison, played by Jeffrey Wright. A frustrated novelist who is fed up with the establishment profiting from so-called black entertainment that relies on tired and offensive tropes. To prove his point, Monk writes an outlandish, stereotypical black book that propels him to the heart of hypocrisy and madness. He also confronts the relationships with his family, which includes his sister Lisa, played by Tracy Ellis Ross, recently coming out brother Cliff, played by Sterling K. Brown, and his declining mother Agnes, played by Leslie Uggams. What do you see in my brother? He's funny. Mm-hmm. He's not funny. No, not ha-ha funny. No. Like, sad funny. Okay. Like a three-legged dog. I see it now, like somebody dying on a toilet. Exactly. God. Yeah, exactly. In, invariably, you, you, you go too far. You think? I don't think <laughs> I go far enough. It's becoming hurtful. Oh. See? You know, see? invariably, oh. you, you, you go too far. <laughs> yeah. You got a kiss, man. <laughs> Look at you, just by being pathetic. God bless you. Hey. That is like a three-legged dog. Brown blazed onto the Hollywood scene in Lifetime's long-running Army Wives before landing the role of lawyer Christopher Darden in FX's The People vs. O.J. Simpson American Crime Story, for which he won his first Emmy as supporting actor in a limited series. Brown would return the next year as one of the big three siblings in Dan Fogelman's acclaimed NBC drama This Is Us. Variety's Clayton Davis recently spoke with Brown about his role in American fiction, as well as how he chases roles that challenge him and how he only now, post-strike, can pay his respects to This Is Us co-star Ron Cephas Jones, who died in August. 
They began by talking about what it was like to work with veteran actor Jeffrey Wright. He's been an acting hero of mine for such a long time. Um, Basquiat, friggin' ridiculous. <laughs> I saw him do Top Dog, Underdog mm. in New York uh, at the Public Theater. And it's funny because at the premiere the other night, Don Cheadle was there, and those are the two brothers that did that show mm -hmm. together. So to have acted with one and to have the other one watch my work was mm -hmm. sort of a full circle, <laughs> stupid moment. <laughs> but you, you're always wondering, like, the people who you admire, how do they approach yeah. the work? Like, what is it that they do different than you? What can you sort of take from their process to sort of add to your own bag of tricks? And I was sort of delighted to find that the bags are very similar. Mm. Right. That, you know, the script is first and foremost um, that, you know, it, acting one on one. What is it that I want? What is keeping me from getting it? What are the sort of tactics that I can take in order to pursue that objective? Um, and then just sort of looking at someone mm. and knowing that they are present to do whatever they need to do in the moment to keep things spontaneous uh, to keep things sort of like alive. Like nothing is done by rote by Jeffrey, yeah. which I appreciate. Because every once in a while you'll encounter someone and you try to hit them a ball with a little backspin and they hit it back the same way. Yeah. Or then you put a lob on it and they hit it the same way. And then you try to give a slice and they hit it the same way. And you're like, man, that's not as much fun. But you know if you do that with Jeffrey, Jeffrey yeah. will receive what you're doing and say, and I will give you this in return, sir. Uh -huh. And then you get a chance to joust. But nobody's trying to beat anybody. We're just trying to make like the most poetic volley ever. You know what's it's so interesting about everything you said is that late, you know you feel like you kind of know everything. Or you have an idea of someone, Jeffrey Wright, like I'm like, you know, he's actor, Jeffrey yeah. Wright. But like hearing the initial story about like he likes to surf – Court Jefferson yesterday, I moderated a Q&A with him, and he said that he played lacrosse in college. Yeah. Like, Jeffrey Wright's been a jock this whole time, and we've just been, like, sleeping on this guy and just being like... It, lacrosse <laughs> played, like, uh, Pop Warner football <laughs> growing up. I think he also played uh, foot, college football, too, at Amherst or whatnot. Like, <laughs> very much a jock. Mm -hmm. And he, I, I, you know, and I can tell that he is a jock because anytime. <laughs> That I that I'm around, he likes to like feel my body, like and not in a way. He's always sort of sizing me up. He's like, "I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get there, Sterling." I'm like, "Hey man, you look good, baby. Don't even sweat. Do do you?" Fifty eight is the new like twenty eight man. Killing the game. He looks great. Yeah. Let's talk about how'd you learn about this role. So like you know, Core Jefferson. I don't. It's hard to believe this is first movie, man. That like. Dude, just natural Agreed. at it. Uh, how did you learn about it? And then were you nervous at all to take on, take it on? Uh, let's see. Learned about it. My manager sort of sent me the script saying that there's an offer out to you for this movie, American Fiction. Um, she's like, you know, the lead is already Jeffrey Wright, so it wouldn't be for that. Um, so if you're interested, you know, let me know. Because I think, like, like all good reps, they want mm. you to be the lead of everything. Yeah. <laughs> and so I read the script, and I was like, well, this shit is off the chain. Yeah. Like, this is um, the kind of thing that we as artists of color have been hungering for for such mm -hmm. a long time. And uh, I just wanted to be a part of it. Yeah. Like, similar to how I felt when, when Black Panther came along, I was like, this one could sort of, like, move the culture in a really interesting way. Yeah. And if I can be a part of it, you know, T'Challa or not, 
I just want to be in that world, yeah. right? And so then as I read Cliff, I was like, oh, Cliff is a bit of a cut-up. Um, he's a bit of a hot mess mm-hmm. when we find him. And uh, he he offers me as an actor a color that people aren't accustomed to seeing from mm-hmm. me. And so that's exciting, right? Because I love to sort of keep people off guard. Yeah, keep on the shows, man. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, he's like, oh, he's more like a Sterling Brown type. <laughs> and then I was like, well, well, what does that mean? Yeah. And then I would say, like, well, I'm going to show you. The only brand <clears throat> that I'm interested in, like, unequivocally, is the good actor brand. Yeah. If I can get that brand to be on stage or on screen with somebody who I consider to be a similar, he's a great actor. I would love to be in that box. Any other box, I'm trying to, like, fuck up, yeah. right? Um, and so I think it was a little scary, but I think a little scary is what you're looking for as an artist because that means you don't know how you're going to do it, but you're confident in your ability that you'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, I like to live in that space. That's it's an awesome space to live in. Yeah. Listen, I, I want to talk about a little bit of the origins of how I discovered you as an actor. Okay. And, you know, my, my whole platform I tried to make a part of my writing is calling out, you know, I want diversity in Hollywood. Now, that means different things to different people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I will make sure that, you know, people get the highlight and recognition that I feel that they deserve. And I remember – Seeing you in The People versus O.J. Simpson. Yeah. I remember. And then you won the Emmy, which was, I call, one of the most pleasant surprises at the Emmys. Because I, 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 I often say in, in the awards world, yeah. I'm like, it's a cool choice. I don't know if they're going to do it. And then when yeah. you do it, you get happy. Then I, I, I can admit at the time I said to myself, I was like, God, I – probably never going to see Sterling K. Brown again. I'm like, so <laughs> like, like I, I was like, they're not going to know what to do with him. He's just going to like, whatever. And then come, this is us. Yeah. And then, and then I got worried again. This is me just like, not like, I have to just recognize that you're here and I love it. Sure. And I don't have to be afraid anymore. I was afraid that I was going to lose you into television. Yeah. And then I saw waves. I love waves Thank and you, that was, should have been your first Oscar nom for waves. And then, and then I was like, where's more Sterling K Brown movies. And then American fiction comes. I'm like, all right, you know what guys, he's here. <laughs> he's going right, okay. he's gonna to be, be okay. It's taken me a really long time to get here, man. But that, that just showed you the love that I just like, you know, I, I want people like you that like do the work of that do surprise me. You're not pigeonholed to keep on working. Yeah. Have you ever shared that fear yourself as an actor when you land something as big as Black Panther, This Is Us, and then now American Fiction that you just always think about, okay, I need to get the next one? That's a good question. Um, no. And I, I would say no – Especially after after the back to back of um, People versus OJ and This Is Us, like I knew I was firmly in a place where people were interested in working with me. Yeah. And folks are like, the question is, what would you like to do next? Now, before that period, there was a three year period in between. I left a TV show on Lifetime called Army Wives, mm-hmm. and before People versus OJ came around, I booked a pilot for AMC. And at that time, they had sort of put AMC was popping. You had Breaking Bad, yeah. <laughs> you had Mad Men, et cetera, and it was popping. Shot this pilot, shot it with Laura Harrier. Um, there's a few other people who are in it who have gone on to do things, and it didn't get picked up. And I remember when I left Army Wives, 
I was like, I just wanted the opportunity to play something different. I yeah. played this character for six years. And I felt like I'd done everything that I could with it. I was curious for yeah. more. And other people were like, you know, are you sure you want to do that? Like, you can, there's a gravy train, and they dangle a big carrot to try to incentivize you to stay on for more seasons. But money has never sort of been the guiding principle. Like, I, I, I got to feel good doing what I'm doing. And then I often say that the money will come. Yeah. But that three years, and I had a recurring on a TV show called Person of Interest. Mm. I had done something else, but it wasn't the same kind of money that I was yeah. making on, on the TV show. And I had this moment. I was like, oh, man, I had, I had a kid. I was a dad for the first <laughs> time. And I was like, did I make a mistake? And a friend of mine, she's like, no, you didn't make a mistake. Like, you got to trust yourself. Yeah. And we are both people of, of faith uh, who believe in the divine. And I was like, God did not bring you to where you are to take a step backwards. And then I auditioned for People versus OJ. This is interesting. And didn't hear anything for like three months. Mm. Like nothing. No, no. Crickets. <laughs> and I was doing a movie. I was doing a movie uh, with Tina Fey. It's called Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Yeah. And the directors of it are the directors of the pilot of This Is Us, right? And uh, I'm sitting in a hotel, and I'm going through my IMDb Pro account, looking at everything that everybody else has booked that I auditioned for. Like, I auditioned for season two of Fargo, and I was like, oh, Bo Keem, good for you, buddy. <laughs> like this, just having like a big old pity party, yeah. you know, one person in. And then I get a call from my manager saying they want you to test for the people versus OJ, right? And I was like, all right. So I flew back for that test. And I'm actually looking around Clayton. And I'm like, every brother I saw, I was like, this brother's got on dreads. Like, I, I shaved my head as soon as I really? got, like, yeah. the audition for it. And I was like, these dudes aren't committed. <laughs> like, my brother's walking around with locks and stuff, like a high-top fade. How are you going to play Darden with a high-top fade? You know what I'm saying? And it was basically just people in the Fox building that yeah. were there for work. Like, I was the only person that they called back. Oh. Right? Get the job. And then now people are saying, like, are you nervous having that job? And there was a little bit of nerves because I was sort of keenly aware one of these things is not like the other. Mm -hmm. I know these people. They have no idea who your boy is. Yeah. But there's a certain kind of confidence. And I was like, I had to sort of, like, dance for my dinner. Yeah. And I, they knew that I knew how to play the part. And then once you just get on that set, you get like a five seconds to be a fan, mm -hmm. and then you're in the game. And once I'm in the game, man, like I just, you know, yeah, it's on and popping. It's good. So, yeah. so we're all in agreement. Certainly, K. Brown's here, and he's here for a good long while. <laughs> it's good. It's good. That's good. Uh, Thursday conversation about that meeting. Yeah. About wh what you're going to be doing next, which what what like. Black Panther, especially, like, you know, obviously it was like a, a blip in the, yeah. in the in the franchise. But was there any part of you that was like, you know, people come back to life all the time and we can just keep on, keep it on. Always hopeful. Always hopeful. Like, Ryan is is uh, an exceptional creative force, uh, Coogler. And sort of to be able to team up with him on anything would be great, especially in that MCU world. Yeah. Um, so I was hopeful. Like, when they were starting to talk about... 
you know, how they're going to move forward with the with it. I was like, hey, your boy is available. Like, if you, <laughs> if you want to bring Njobu back, Njobu will be there yeah. for the cause. Mm-hmm. Didn't go that way. Yeah. So now I'm hopeful that it's like a law and order thing. Like, after three <laughs> years, they can just bring you back as somebody else. Yeah, it'd be like someone else. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm down. Um, back to American Picture for a minute. And I, I, you've, you've heard me stand out for Erica Alexander, man. Yeah. It's like so excited that she w- that she's in this. Uh, Love her. Tracy Ellis Ross, like just, and Leslie Uggams, man. Just like. Leslie art, Uggams bringing the pain, brother. Like just, oh, God. <sighs> it's an exception. Tony, accept- Tony an, Award winner. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like to have that kind of ensemble, um, I feel like we don't see it enough mm. right well and i think that's often the case because in lots of the things that we that are meant for mainstream consumption there's just one of us and then populated with other people mm-hmm. so to see multiple of us together it, it's something good for the soul i yeah. feel like back in the day we used to see that kind of thing where it was like um let's do it again mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The Love Jones, the the Boomerangs, yeah. like those. I would love to see some melanated dopeness for mainstream consumption yeah. once more. I love the Distinguished Gentleman. I was reminded of that the other night. We I were, just saw Shirley Ralph the other night. Yeah, yeah, we, yes, sir. And when I saw Distinguished Gentleman up there, man, I feel like that. Do you feel like sometimes like you're the only one that knows? How great a movie is, probably, and not enough people are. Yeah, like, I'm like that's like yeah. that's where Citizen Kane to me <laughs> in so many ways. I love Distinguished Gentleman so much, man. More than I'm supposed to. Oh, and, oh I goodness. have to give a big shout out to um to Myra Taylor as well. And the, uh, like Myra Lucretia Taylor is so fun fact. One of the first things that I did out of grad school in 2001 was a Romeo and Juliet at the McCarter Theater in Princeton, New Jersey. Mm. Myra Lucretia Taylor played the nurse in this Romeo and Juliet. I played the prince. So I've known this woman since I began my acting wow. career. I remember when she got, she's the, she played, um, Donald's mom on, uh, Atlanta. Yes. And so we ran into each other, like doing press, cause I think I was doing OJ and she was doing Atlanta, et cetera. And then we sort of got a chance to come back together and do something on this movie. It's such a joy. To have like started your career with someone and then to be at this place and we're still doing it and still getting these kinds of opportunities. Yeah, awesome. to make some stops along the way. And, yeah. I, to, and I don't want to give spoilers because, you know, not everyone might have seen the movie yet. Yeah. But for me, the moment of the movie is the hug. The hug, man, is like her – like first of all, I, I need a, a Myra hug must do – things for you so have a joy and happiness that you can just be like i, I can make it <laughs> yeah. through this world but there is there's an emotion there and it's simple for people like oh a hug happened like how, yeah. how do you prepare for a hug but there is a build-up to that can you talk about some of that yeah, I um, language let me i'll talk about it. um it is a profound moment of acceptance for an individual who has felt very much unaccepted for most of his life um, who sort of left his family because he didn't feel as if acceptance was a possibility um, with these people in this place. So goes to Tucson, Arizona, <laughs> looking for something that he couldn't find in his own backyard. And that hug was a moment of saying like, hey, man, however you think we feel about you, I'm going to show you. You belong. Mm. Stay. Like that's... It's a, it was a great moment on set uh, as an actor and as a character. Like, you know when those things sort of dovetail in that way, where I was like, Sterling feels seen by, by Myra and Cliff feels seen by Lorraine. 
That's it. Good shit. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. I have to ask a question to uh, one yeah. of my colleagues, and she's a, a stand-up for Solar Opposites, man. Like, she lives for Solar Opposites. Yeah. And uh, the amazing arc as Hulk, a side character, who lives in the aliens uh, wall city <laughs> on Solar Opposites, is Hulk actually dead or just presumed dead? And will you ever reprise the role? That's a good question. Uh, I would definitely reprise. I had so much fun doing it. There's a few other things that I got going on in the animation space right now as well. So, like, I'd have to complete those arcs. But, like, that was so and, – and that's fun, too, because people would be like, yo, what would happen before is, like, is that Randall? Is <laughs> 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 Randall a soul opposite? Yeah. I was like, it's Sterling. God yeah. dang yeah. it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and you feel then, like you're shedding Randall a little bit? Like, you think it's – people are like, oh, Sterling. I, I'm a hope – in this way I never want people to not know that I played the character but if and when I reach the point where people stop yelling Randall Mm. that would be okay because it's it's not my name right my name is Sterling and to be seen for a body (laughs) instead of a character feels way way better just two weeks ago Emily Blunt was sitting exactly where you're sitting and she says when she walks on the red carpets with uh, John Krasinski people scream at her you're not Pam so imagine when you don't even play the role, you get called out. Uh, and it's just, it's, it's, That's it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, listen, I, one of the things I'm always interested in, and I know people are, listen, they, they look up to you. They, a lot of people want to get into this space, but more interesting for hmm. me, why are, I was like, how did you get here? Why are you sitting here with me? What, do you remember the movie, TV show, something that you watched when you were younger that did it for you, that it said, that what it said to you was, I got to go be an actor now. This is it. All right. So I I feel like, uh, you know, Jim Carrey and the cable guy. I was raised by TV. Like, I remember when the cable guy came to my house at age five and said, excuse me, young man, is your father or mommy or daddy at home? And I remember getting the long cord with the big old black remote control And having, like, Dad got it all. We had Cinemax, we had Showtime, we had HBO, we had the movie channel and everything in between. And just watching everything. Like, from a young age. Like, Cinemax, Friday Mm -hmm. nights, Dad saying, don't tell your mama you're watching this. Mm -hmm. But, like, watching everything, right? So I've been, like, enamored with entertainment from, from Jump Street. I would say, like, cinematically, like, him taking me to go see Ghostbusters or The Color of Money or First Blood Mm. or anything. Like, these were, like, the first sort of films that I remember. Again, Let's Do It Again is one of my favorite movies Mm. of all time. You know, seeing Raw, seeing Mm. everything. Mm. But you're talking about a TV show specific. Or or it's a TV or movie, so it could be either. Um, I think older... As an actor, watching Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and watching what Burton and Taylor did together and saying, like, if I can do half of what he's doing in this performance, I was like, then I'll have a career. Mm -hmm. That was a big one. As a young man Mm -hmm. in high school, it's going to sound really strange, but it was sort of groundbreaking for me. NYPD Blue was, like, massive. Because it was almost like a cable show on network television. Yep. And I was like, can they do this on ABC? 
It was like HBO on ABC. You know what it I'm totally saying? Was, yes. Like that was really big, and the characters were messy. There's alcoholics <laughs> and racists and all this stuff, and they're figuring out a way to sort of deal with each other. Yep. Lieutenant Fancy was like, I don't know how to mm. deal with you white people, but <laughs> you're going to deal with me whether you like it or not. Yeah. NYPD Blue was big. But then, like, NYPD happened, and then ER happened, and then HBO sort of, like, it was The Sopranos with everybody yeah. sort of targets as sort of, like, the beginning of the golden, this golden age, age of television. Yeah. But then I can, I, listen, I'm oscillating, because I'll go back to Norman Lear, who just recently yeah. passed away. May he rest in peace. But watching um, Sanford and Son, watching The Jeffersons, mm -hmm. watching Good Time, Archie Bunker has always fascinated mm -hmm. me. Like, always fascinated me. And I think the idea that you could be messy and lovable at the same time was like, how does he pull that shit off? Like, that's... That's masterful. It was one of the earliest things I can remember that, like, even, I don't want to say, I don't want to say racism, but race wasn't just black and white. Yeah. There was the, like, it was the one of the earliest shows I can remember, the gray area. Yeah. On blatant display. Absolutely, man. It was man. great. So, it's, the, it's those things and probably, like, a vast cacophony yeah. of, like, all these other things that live in my head, but, like... Those are just a few that I can remember off the top of the Yeah, now. you know what's interesting about what you said when you start with the cable guy, yeah. Then Greta Lee on this season uh, for for past lives, yeah. And you you, it's always so surprising. Why I ask that question all the time is you don't know what move what your movies do for other people. Yeah, her answer was Val Kilmer and the Saint, and your <laughs> and yours is Jim was Jim Carrey and the Cable Guy. Your initial thing, and these were panned at the time. By the yeah. way, interestingly, same year those two movies, yeah. And, huh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Same your movies and like, I don't think Jim Carrey's sitting somewhere thinking like, oh, my movie like got Sterling K. Brown kind of yeah. got him on the bandwagon or Valkyrie's like that movie the Saint that everyone hated. Like that's why we have Greta Lee today. <laughs> Cinema is just it's a funny little creature. It is it, it indeed. Gets, it gets really interesting. You wherever you are at that particular point in time in your life, you know what I'm saying. Like things will have different sorts of resonance. Mm -hmm. And even like some of my best friends are like, dude, the Cable Guy's not a good movie. I was like, you guys can Stop. kiss my ass. Stop. Yeah, Love that's, that's a blatant lie. It's <laughs> a blatant the lie. The password is nipple. <laughs> <laughs> See, now I got to watch it now. Like, it's one of those. And it was funny when you were mentioning uh, Cinemax on Fridays. Uh, you're from New York originally. From St. Louis, it's, Missouri. It's, but uh, we used to have, I don't know if anyone remembers the WB Frog, but Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Movies. That's how I watch Batteries Not Included and Cocoon. Yeah. I still don't think I've ever seen, like, an un, un, in, uninterrupted version of, like, the Godfather, probably like from like it took me until adulthood to see it not on television with commercial. Really, breaks. yeah, because I mean that's how I saw. That's I'll how give you all the classics. I've stuff. seen classics like that too. The first time that I watched The Godfather, though, I was in college, mm -hmm. freshman year, and I was in the large lounge of Ujima House, which is the black dorm at Stanford University. Mm -hmm. Had the drawn the blinds drawn, it was all dark, etc. Watched the movie for the next three days. I wore a suit around campus <laughs> and people would talk to me why are you wearing a suit and I'd say never ask me about my business <laughs> shit goes deep it and, goes deep and look, look at you today just, just <laughs> can't, can't wait for the the big adaptation of it. yeah um uh, last uh two questions on the beat uh American fiction uh I'm curious about this the the black experience is multi-layered as yeah as 
you and I know, but not, not a lot of other people sure. know. And it's interesting to see American fiction origin uh, from Ava DuVernay yeah. this year. Um, and then The Color Purple all telling these different sides of it. Yeah. Um, but I always feel that there's like this apprehension that people feel like it's not for me because mm-hmm. whatever. And, you had, and I said uh, the Q&A that I moderated for you guys, I've never seen bougie black people on screen. It was the best feeling <laughs> to see like they, like they, were, they weren't like poor but no. they, got, they were they were like, like all doctors baby doctors <laughs> doctors and professors like snooty tooty like it was it was great to see and 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 I want to get your take on how that how you've reconciled with that feeling that you know we want to appeal to as many people as possible not just our own communities yeah I think that I think by being specific, you can become universal. Mm. I think for the longest time, we've tried to sort of like do things for the benefit of folks that might not look like us. So like, let's not say, okay, I'll give you a perfect example. I remember I was doing a TV show and it was, they were playing football and the coach sort of gathered them around and said like, all right, we're going to say a prayer real quick, you know, before we go into the game, right? And the writers were very adamant that they didn't want to mention any specific religion. I was like, but if we're in South Carolina and they're praying, you know, they're going to end this prayer in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. Amen. But they didn't want to isolate anybody who was not Christian from. I was like, that's not isolation. That's just telling the truth. Right? So when you are able to tell the truth, even though it may not be the exact same truth for every different group, but they can recognize the truth in their own community, yeah. right? Like I always talk about the the farewell. And I was like, I ain't, I ain't Chinese, but I got a grandmama. Mm-hmm. And Lord knows I would want her to live for as long as possible. Yeah. And that sort of dilemma of like, do you tell her or not? It's not even something we get to think about in, in this country. But it does say like, if we did have that option, would we tell Will we tell Grant? Because it meant that she's still alive today. Maybe we just keep that to ourselves. But it's through the specificity of that story that I'm able to find myself inside of it. I think the hope is for me as a creator, as as someone who likes to delineate the human condition, you're always hoping that for the culture. Like at the end of the day, when you go to the barbershop, like you want folks to be like, hey, yo, bruh, you did that shit. Right? And I say thank you. Right? But I also feel the human experience is universal, right? Like we're not doing it just for us. We're doing it because we're human beings that live full lives. And if you allow yourself as an audience member, there's a space for you to see yourselves within it. Learn that from This Is Us, man. Like Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many people would come up to me who looked nothing like me, who looked nothing like Randall, Old white women, you know what I'm saying? Like Latina, whatever, like people in Brazil hitting your boy up and being like, I am Randall, yeah. which gives me the faith to know that if Hollywood is able to keep making good stories that have us in them, that everybody can find themselves inside of those stories. Very well said. Thanks, and which man. actually you gave me the great segue into the final thought slash question, something that I needed to kind of tell you. Okay. Uh, so I moved to LA June, 2021, uh, December, 2021. I had lost my dad. My dad, uh, passed back home. Then fast forward to this year, uh, we lost Ron Cephas Jones this year. Yeah. And I wrote, uh, an appreciation post about watching you and him on this is us. 
helped me forgive my father before he before he died wow. and it gave me like this whole like you know it wasn't cookie cutter like it wasn't like a, a template but it was the I knew that when he went, like we were like in the place, the best place we ever could be. And I didn't have that guilt of like, you know, I wish, you know, you kind of have always have those, but it was yeah. like that, that, those feelings. That's I amazing. wanted to, I wanted to ask you, uh, Rossi Jones, obviously such a titan in the industry. Any just thoughts on just a life well lived and yeah. how, what we're missing now? <sighs> Thank you for asking yeah. that question because we we lost Ron not too long ago. I uh, was at his memorial in New York City at the Public Theater where longtime friends and, and cast members from his theater troupe, uh, Labyrinth Theater, were there. John Ortiz is a Lab Theater member, so him and John go way back. I spoke, John spoke, um, his beautiful daughter Jasmine Cephas Jones spoke, who came to the premiere of. It's also an origin, by the way. It's also an origin. Who's awesome? Yeah. Um, Ron would always talk about on set, um, about how he wanted to get back on stage. He said, "Yeah, man, I, I want to play Lear, Sterl. <laughs> I want to play Lear." And Ron was about a buck twenty, soaking wet. <laughs> yeah. You know, his lungs weren't operating properly or whatnot. And I'd be like, you you do the best you can, big dog. Because mm. Lear, and for those who don't know Shakespeare, there's a big thing at the end of Lear where he carries his daughter out. Mm-hmm. I was like, Ron, you very carefully carry this napkin, big dog. <laughs> but he had this dream. Yeah. And so he had a double lung transplant. Mm. I, I don't know how many how long this procedure's been around. Mm. And he got better. And he'd come back on subsequent seasons, and he'd fill out. He got like 30 pounds on him. Say, like, yeah, Sterl, I got some cheeks now, man. Look at this right here. And he was so happy. And one of the last things that he got to do before he ultimately passed away is he got to go on Broadway. And he got nominated for a Tony. Yep. And it may not have been Lear, but he was somebody who had a vision of how he wanted his career to go and how his life to go. And he was able to take chances. And while we don't have him, he probably gave himself several more years that he wouldn't have had. And he lived his fullest, the fullest version of his life until he was with us no more. And I say, like, if you're going to be here, some of us are just existing. Not all of us are really living. And uh, in the words of, is it uh, Red or Andy Dufresne? You either get busy living or you get busy dying. Yeah. Ron lived to the end. That's Sterling K. Brown, star of American Fiction, which opens wide in theaters this weekend. After the break, we talk to Origin star Anjanou Ellis-Taylor. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. And we're back. It's the Variety Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. Anjanou Ellis-Taylor plays Pulitzer Prize journalist Isabel Wilkerson in Ava DuVernay's drama Origin. It's an adaptation of Wilkerson's best-selling book, Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents. It chronicles the author's quest to unravel humanity's divisions as she writes her acclaimed nonfiction work. Variety's Clayton Davis spoke to Ellis-Taylor about Origin, 
working once again with John Bernthal and the pressure of landing one of her first major leading roles. They began by discussing what it felt like to make Origin. I'm sort of finding out what it felt like in these kind of off-center, off-center ways, Mm. you know? For one thing, I had a conversation with someone about the strike. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was complaining. I was like, I only made, I only did one movie this year. I only got so-and-so-and-so amount of money in my Mm -hmm. bank account. I want to buy a house. And I was just going in. And then days later, I said, that's not true. I did another movie this year. I did a whole other film a this whole year. Other movie. <laughs> and I said, what? And so things like that mm-hmm. happen, have happened where I feel like I only did one movie this year. And I did a movie this summer. And I said, why is that? You know, and I think it's because origin felt like a miracle to me Mm. it felt like a miracle and miracles are don't fit into time and space right you know Mm. there's nothing before there's nothing after Mm. it's just this thing that's sort of dropped into your existence and you're not expecting it and you kind of don't know what to do with it but you're happy Mm. you know you're you're happy about it um and i think that's what that's what it was for me you know there was there were a thousand firsts, you know, so many firsts with this film. I, I've always wanted to go to India and I arrived in India on my birthday when we started shooting there, um, in February, February the 21st for anyone who wants to know when my birthday is. Ava giving out good gifts. All right. (laughs) Never been to Germany, went to, went to, went to the incredible Berlin. Um, and I've, I mean, you know, I've been, I've had lead roles and and things, but this is this is this is different. The, the weight, the the weight of this, the beautiful weight of this, is 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 something else for me. Mm. You know. So uh, I was in a little mini argument with my wife. Uh, she won, obviously, just by default because she's she your wife. She, she might, yeah. <laughs> but um, I. When the movie was over and she was like under a sheet and she's like, you know, trying to collect herself. Sure. And then we were talking about it and we had the debrief. And I was, and I, the way I described how great you are, I said, for Denzel Washington, it's a single tear. For Viola, it's like, you know, runny nose. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like these signature mm-hmm. acting moves. Mm-hmm. You know, Sterling K. Brown knows how to like keep water at the bottom of his like, <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, eyes. You, I, the best way I can describe it is like pressed lips. Like it's just like it's you wear it like right here on your face. Every like when you're crying in scenes, is the, I don't want to ruin anything for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, but there's a lot of um, loss in this movie. Mm-hmm. And in your, I imagine a lot of the reason why maybe you forgot that mm-hmm. you did this movie is because. Yeah, it's I, I imagine took every piece of you as like a human to, mm-hmm. to, to do it mm-hmm. and to complete it. Is that a little mm-hmm. accurate or am I on the right track? Yeah, you know, I I I am usually at the end of the day exhilarated by, mm. you know, because I don't find it to be a hardship to do to do this emotional work you know part of the part of the reason is it's just a joy for me to be able to play Isabel Wilkerson on screen so what am I complaining about (laughs) you know um and 
imagine what she went through having to actually experience this mm-hmm. this measure of grief. I'm just pretending. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. get over myself. Um, the other part of it is, is that it's just a joy to do this kind of level of work. So, you know, the other thing, but something happened in this, though. Um, I, I, you know, Ava would text me at the end of the end of the night after some of these emotional scenes and she would say, you know, thank you for, you know, your generosity. And, and, and I said, I would say, you know, I kind of feel like it's a bit of a cheat because unfortunately I, I live with this kind of grief. I live with this grief. So when someone needs it, I'm like, I got you. (laughs) Got some on the reserve for you. I got some on on, on reserve for you. Mm. You know, so it, it 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 was it was all those it was all those things that 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 came together. Um, but I guess you know this woman lost her her husband, her life partner, her her mother who was a love another love of her mm-hmm. life and her best friend who was her cousin in a matter of months you know it, it it's it's unimaginable you know um yeah there were there were times when i had to, i had to say to ava look you got to say cut yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cuz i can't you Can know stop the movie for one second yeah. Like, yeah. Um, the, and after seeing it at uh in toronto after I collected myself, I uh, walked out and actually, uh, I hope he doesn't mind me telling the story. I ran into Tom Quinn, head of Neon. And mm-hmm. like, you know, the initial like look at me, like what, like what did you think? <laughs> like, yeah, everyone yeah, kind of yeah. gives me those looks when I walk out of a movie. Yeah. Because I looked upset because I, I just lost my face. And then mm-hmm. I was like, dude, like wonderful. And then as I've gone through the last few months since then. And I talk to people about it, and I think you'll understand this, especially like Academy members, everyone. I feel like I have to work double time to convince them that this is not a hard watch in terms of – it's not 12 Years a Slave. This is emotional and it's thought-provoking, but it's not difficult. And I feel like there's always this little bit of a hindrance or obstacle that people put in front of themselves when it comes to black stories. Mm. And I wanted to know if you agree that with that perception and what can people know about this movie that they may not know for whatever reason, because they are not mm-hmm. familiar with the source material mm-hmm. or Isabel Wilkerson. Yeah. The, the exciting thing about this, of, of being in the film is that, Isabel Wilkerson is a Pulitzer Prize for those of you, for those of you who don't know. Uh, Isabel Wilkerson is a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, um, uh, uh, writer of 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 history, writer of of the American experiment, um, and she's won a Pulitzer a couple of Pulitzer prizes at this point. Um, um, but the exciting thing is everybody don't read. <laughs> everybody don't read. So what's great about it is that it democratizes her ideas, the, 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 the you know, the, the spreading of her ideas and her arguments. Um, this, her saying that we need new language to discuss how we are divide ourselves mm-hmm. in this world. Um, and, and cinema gives that opportunity, gives that access to be discovered. To, to yeah, exactly sure. that. 
you know, Barnes and Noble unfortunately does not. Mm-hmm. Have mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was I was having that discussion a little earlier mm-hmm. with someone, um, and I said, you know, when. You know, when when a when a when a lovely white man wants to tell a story about uh, someone, all they need to offer is their their filmmaking abilities, and this person had a dream. That's all. Mm-hmm. That's the only. That's the only. That's their that that needs that need be their only offering. Yep. When when a, a writer director like Ava or someone and an actor like me. We have to, there's, there's an expectation of us that we have to make it relatable. We have to make it universal. Um, we have to offer hope. Mm-hmm. And that demand is not made of our contemporaries, of, of, is not made of our peers. Mm-hmm. But what I will say this, I will say, imagine Isabel Wilkerson is a, literary or journalistic Indiana Jones mm-hmm. who goes on a search, a quest all around the world in search of a truth about who we are. And in the middle of this, in the middle of this search, in the middle of this quest, she is haunted, chased and, and pursued by these, by this incredible loss. Mm-hmm. Well, a big round ball that's chasing her. Down yeah, the, the that big round ball that's chasing uh-huh. her is this this loss, losing losing all of these people in her life. But she keeps going. She keeps going on this quest, and she has to keep going because she's driven by the possibility that what she finds at the end of this quest could help save humanity. I've never heard it put like that before, but. Oh my God! I'm now going to steal that and use it and try mm-hmm. to. That is, uh, and so like on point with everything that the movie offers. Um, if you'll indulge me for one moment to talk crap about someone, and that's John Bernthal. <laughs> so anytime for, 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 for two anytime. movies now. Listen, <laughs> let's talk about this guy. I got, I got, I got to watch him and King Richard hang out with you, and then like. Then do another movie with you. Yeah. And here he's being all sensitive and <laughs> and, and and heartwarming and just like God, I gotta bring him down a notch or something. <laughs> uh, th- I mean, dude, dude's on a roll right now. What was it like working with him again? And that cross he had a bear. Yeah. It's, it's oh so heavy. Lord, pain in the ass, <laughs> man. Oh my God, tell him all the time. like. Ugh. Um, I didn't really. T- we didn't really talk a lot on King Richard. We didn't, you know, because mm. we didn't have we didn't we were in scenes together, but we really didn't exchange dialogue a yeah. whole lot. Ronaldo knew to keep you two apart. That's what yeah, it was. yeah, you know. <laughs> um, so when I found out that when Ava was talking about who she was considering mm. to play to put to play Brett, she said, and I sw- she said, "Do you know John? You know John Bernthal, right?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." I said, "I work with him. Why?" She said, "Because." I met with him last night and he wants to be in the film. He wants to play Brett. I said, what are you talking about? What are you, what? You know, cause essentially, you know, we work together, but we were really strangers. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was just completely out of, it was, it was completely out of the blue. John 
flew himself down to Savannah to meet with Ava on his own dime, on his own dime, and sold himself to Ava. He was so insistent upon upon playing this part. Mm-hmm. Born being in this story, you know, born being in this mission of, of I, I cannot say enough about him. I, I really don't. Like, every time I, I'm around him, I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for, waiting for, for it to catch. be, yeah, yeah, waiting for it to be revealed that he's not who, but he is, he, he is, is who he is, man. Yeah. He's just a lovely human being. So thank lovely. You for, thank you for not following directions. <laughs> sorry. Crap about him. But yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I want so but, bad but, too, but. <laughs> it's hard, man. It's, it's hard for you, John Brentall. Uh, but let's talk about your sister from another mister, Nisi Nash Betts. Yes. Worked with her before. Yes, I have. And uh, ooh. Nisi, Nisi's in a moment in, in her own. She's about to win an Emmy this year, I'm pretty sure, uh, for what she delivered in Dahmer. And which then, is extraordinary. Which, which, she, yeah. like, it comes from her, like, from her chest. Like, she, this movie, the, the, the interaction, the way you, you two exchange, I never doubted for a minute that you were related because I think you guys are in real life because you're just spiritually connected. But I think a lot of what we access through you as a character is because Nisi is <laughs> volleyball term. She's setting you up to spike. Mm-hmm. She really she mm-hmm. she digs and sets up mm-hmm. really well, and then you spike the ball. So what was it like working with her again? I'm sure much more pleasant than John, but just overall, <laughs> yeah. Um- <laughs> Yeah, we work together on When They See Us. Um, One of the greatest shows ever. Yeah, and and we were not friends mm. on that at all. Uh, we were we were we were mortal enemies in mm. that on camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nisi's always been lovely and supportive of mm. me, always. Um, and so the thing about Nisi Nash, and it, which is also true of John Bernthal, they don't they're not performers. I mean, she's a performer because she's a comedian and that kind of thing, mm. but. You know, she is available and nothing comes out of her out of her that's not that she doesn't believe in. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we are both believers in this moment. Like we talking about these pictures mm-hmm. and because that's what we doing. And mm-hmm. there's a camera there. It's such a man, dude. It, it is so ooh, it is so fun to be to play with someone like that, yeah. you know. Uh, can you tell me about the conversations with Isabel herself or if you did in preparation for the role and everything that like went into this? I didn't get to talk to her. I didn't get to talk to her. I think, you know, Ava had been on this a couple, couple of years before mm-hmm. she actually, you know, started shooting. Um, and I think at that point, Ms. Wilkerson had sort of said, I'm giving this to you. You know, and do what you, you will. Do what you will. You know, and we just sort of—I respected that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When you're, so I guess that offer freedom then to just interpreter. However, you did you watch any interviews? Or oh yeah, no, no, no. Yeah. I, I, I didn't, I didn't see it as that kind of freedom. I, I <laughs> you know, because one of the things, one of the things, I had to do a little convincing of, of you know, of Ava. Um, so I. You know, I looked at a picture of Miss of Miss Wilkerson, and I said to my sister Sasha, "I gotta make myself look like this woman." Mm. 
So we ordered this nice, nice sheath dress from Nordstrom's or one of those companies. And I ordered some pearls because Miss Wilkerson is always wearing pearls mm-hmm. in her pictures. And then I went to the local beauty supply in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and I got me a wig. And um, so we took pictures and we sent it and I did my makeup. I wore the dark makeup that Miss Wilkerson wears on her lipstick, on her lips. And I sent the picture off to um, to to Ava and um, somehow along the way it, it, it worked out. But I started there. You know, before the job started, I started there just for the the exterior yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, building, you know, building the look like because she's very consistent. Yeah. She's not like me. You see me in this, <laughs> and then who knows what I'm gonna look like five <laughs> hours from now. She's very, very consistent, and yeah. I said I think that says something about her personality. Mm-hmm. So that's you know that's where I started in terms of you know just the physical stuff, and then I studied her. I'd like cross referenced interviews that she would do with different people. She did an interview with the academic. Uh, journal, academic, um, public intellectual, Michael Eric Dyson. Mm-hmm. So I watched her interview with him and then I watched her interview with, uh, Brian Stevenson, who, who is, um, over the Equal Justice Initiative. Um, and who she was with those two and how she was in those two interviews, how she protected, what she offered, what she retained, mm-hmm. like that kind of stuff. That gave me, that gave me information. Cast is as much a book of history and journalism. It is as much uh, a memoir as it is anything. Mm. So I searched the pages for, because blood is in everything that she mm. writes, Isabel. That's that's what makes her the writer that she is. And I studied this, you know, that first TED talk that she did, um, where she was very very nervous. Um, so that that was that. Those were my Bibles. You know, that was the in in the, the pages of my Bible. Uh, you, you put it beautifully. You said there's blood in everything that you see her write. Yes. And I believe there's blood in everything we see in you when you're acting. Mm. And the last time you were here, <clears throat> many moons ago, uh, we were talking uh, and you were talking about your preparation for King Richard and uh, your journey to get to that moment in time, uh, you having to take care of a relative at, at one point. That time between King Richard and now, because I think there's always a perception, you know, perception is reality for many people, but they're not in the system. You got an Oscar nomination, so the door's open. Like, you go do whatever you want now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, not always the case, uh, especially for black women in, in this business. What has the last two to three years been like for you uh, in trying to get your next role or whatever it is that you've wanted to do as an artist? I've been, you know, I've been a part of um, some, I, I think, some work done by some really extraordinary director-writers. Um, the, the the movie that I thought that that was the only mm. movie that I did this year um, is called Ex- Exhibiting Forgiveness, and it's uh, written and directed by Titus Kafar, who's one of the most you know important figures in american art right now mm-hmm. um and i i worked on on nickel boys which is an adaptation Can't of wait colson whitehead's mm-hmm. uh nickel boys that's directed by an extraordinary director in ramel ross mm-hmm. um so i did you know i did some you know you know brilliant 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 things like that and in the and also in the interim 
um, just writing my writing my own stuff. I'm getting a, a an a graphic novel that's being adapted from something that I wrote that Amistad Harper Collins is 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 going to um, publish. So, so no big deal. Just like he's, yeah, you know, and you also, also did things. the Supremes, right? Yes, I did. I, I stay up on Anjanu. I want to know I when did. my next Anjanu joint. We were supposed to get three Anjanu movies this year. Uh, it was then. things happened. Holly was like, you know what? Let's shut this down for a minute. <laughs> we can't have all this Anjanu this year. I was like, what is happening? What is going I'm on? So excited. are you excited for those to like be to get out there and be seen? Because like some of us are like very impatient and just want to see them already excited about them i am nervous man i'm nervous i'm nervous i'm nervous but i think though i'm 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 excited to see how people are going to respond to nickel boys i don't have a huge huge part in it but um you know he's a what he chose to do with that i just is is kind of crazy like it's it's like like i think art nerd like cinema nerds are gonna go gonna go no no you know gonna go nuts um. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. I, I, I've been I've I've been you know fortunate, but I'm trying to do my own stuff too. Look, you know, that's when I feel like that's when I need to come back here, and I'll feel like I've done my, you know, my victory lap yeah. a little bit. And let's not forget you're in color purple, also. Uh, Danielle Brooks just left here. We were, good, oh, she, we were did. she was looking for you before uh, before you came in, but I mean, six you're, seconds. You're, I'm in the color purple. Six six. <laughs> Beautiful, amazing seconds. So I'll take it any any day. Um, also, uh, just like looking now, second time you worked with Ava, is there a directing bug in you? Like, is there like something growing that like no. not at all? Do you just like let me write and I that's just it? Write. write and act. Yeah, because I like going home and yeah. <laughs> you're like I don't need to be sitting in, in a chair. <laughs> For, for no. a long time. That's no, good. no, no. I'm good. I, I like the honesty that you're like, oh, help. No. I'm, like, no, no, no. I'm not. It's okay to say no. Like the, some Hollywood people need to hear this too. Yeah, you don't have to direct everything. No, you can. You, you don't. Because I saw what I, I saw. The the ones that I respect, mm-hmm. I see what they do. Like I've worked with some. I'm sorry, I work mm. with some hacks. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But the ones that that like they they breathe it, and mm. I think Ava DuVernay breathes it. You know, like it is, it is, it is in her teeth, it is in her ears, it's in her hair, it's, you know, what she wanted to accomplish, you know, just, there's an insanity to that, there's an insanity about that. You know, she's passionate. Like, yes, like, and, indeed, and people indeed. use that word very loosely sometimes. Yeah, no, 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 this no, 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 no. Yeah, Bl- we're talking blood. Yes, yeah. Um. This is actually just a curious question because it's been two years and you were Oscar nominated as Anjanou Ellis and now you're Anjanou Ellis Taylor. So people yes. wanted to know if was that uh, just a name change or did, did something walk down the Did aisle? I get married? Did you get married? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Because I put it up there. People try to correct me. They're like, why did you put Taylor there? I'm like, because that's her name in the movie. Like, yeah. I go by the credits. And yeah. Share. Yeah. So um, the love of my life, who was my mother. Yeah. Um, gave me my daddy's name. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute, lady. Uh, I want your name, mm. you know? And, um, this past, this past birthday that I had, I said, it was my, it was either her birthday or my birthday. It was, it was probably her birthday. Mm. And I said, what am I doing? You know, I, I want to carry her every day. Mm. So how do I do that and not have to do that on a conscious level? You know, so just it's my name. Taylor's it's it's my it's it's That's my mama. name. Yeah, I'll, 
yeah. best answer there could be. So yeah. I'll, I'll I'll take that. And good. So now everyone knows hyphen Taylor. Yeah. Let's, let's, I ain't mad. Ain't, ain't hard. I ain't mad. Uh, the the thing I want to really uh, ask you about this film. It's the last one of two questions. You. There's a theory in the movie that Isabel subscribes to that is, again, it's this theory about where our differences have originated from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to know, because me and my wife had a really long, great discussion about it because we, we've never seen it articulated in this way before. I didn't read cast uh, before I saw the film. Um do you subscribe to that same theory, or do you, or do you find theory like do you find her theory sound personally of the of what she's writing about in terms of humanity and where this all originates from? Yeah, I think it's I think it's I think it's sound absolutely. Yeah. I think it's yeah. absolutely sound, you know. And she the you know she brilliantly lays it lays it out. I mean, please everyone <laughs> get this book, mm-hmm. and it is it is a it is a book of 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 it is it is nonfiction. Everybody don't like everybody doesn't do nonfiction, but she writes so accessibly, mm-hmm. and she makes it she lays it out in a way that makes you feel that that is intimate and 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 is you know you can understand it it's it's, yeah, it's words it's, and that she makes it plain yeah she makes yeah. it plain exactly mm-hmm. she makes it plain so so um yeah I, I think it's absolutely sound and what's what i mean i would say this how the the, the origins and how she explains it the origins how that i think all of that sound i think the articulation of that you know um can be argued um, but what is what can't be argued is when she when she breaks down these eight pillars of caste, right? Mm-hmm. And we we show that a little bit in the in in the um in the movie, and that was what was was what was most compelling for me and touching for me and hit me the hardest because one of those pillars is how terrorism is used as a means of control, mm-hmm. and being from Mississippi and being surrounded by Confederate flags all the time and, and having Confederate statues all over the place and being told that these are sort of, it's just hagiography, hey, right? We're just celebrating our, our, our Confederate heroes, yeah. but also find, but finding out through her work that those statues were erected on purpose because they were used as a means to scare newly, uh, emancipated enslaved folks. Mm-hmm. To remind them, my contact lens just came out of my eye, to remind them that they could at any point be enslaved again. Go right back. Yeah. Yes. That's actor Anjanou Ellis-Taylor, star of Origin, which hits theaters on January 19. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Zach Levin edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest awards predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider. Have a Merry Christmas, and we'll see you on the circuit.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.